jump in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Close calls slash honorable mentions. So these are yes. albums that were within the time frame we were in high school and were in heavy consideration for each of our individual lists. Yeah. And they deserve some mention. They do. I have a lot more on this list than Me, the near misses. Yeah, my, this is double what I listed off. Mm-hmm. Of. Um, so, all right. Am I j- kicking this off? <laughs> I have like, you know, 50. And so... All right. I'm gonna, but, but I'm going to like just focus mostly on the top 10 contenders and then might just want to rattle off others if you don't mention them later. That sure. sounds good. And maybe sure. we can find some themes in this where it's like depending on what Adam says, might mm-hmm. jump me to a particular section of my list. Yep. Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, the first one I have written down is Incubus Science. Mm-hmm. That one came out uh, September 9th, 1997. Yep. Then I have um, Beastie Boys, Hello Nasty, September, oh, I'm sorry, July 14, 1999. Beck, Midnight Vultures, November 23rd, 1999. Um, Outcast, Equemini, September 29, 1998. Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, September 21st, 1999. I definitely expected that on your list. Yeah. On your top ten. That, that, Uh, out of everything, that's probably... If I if I would have squeezed one more in, it would have been that nine inch nails. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two by the Promise Ring, Very mm-hmm. Emergency, September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine, and Nothing Feels Good, October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven. That's awesome. Very Emergency is on my list They're too. Good, that good. One, that one was tough to leave off. Yeah. Uh, A Tribe Called Quest, The Love Movement, September twenty ninth, nineteen ninety eight. The Roots, Things Fall Apart, February 23rd, 1999. Uh, CKY, Volume 1, <laughs> February, February 27, 1999. That's the Jackass Just, band, right? Y- yeah, yeah. So that's uh, uh, Jesse Margera, Bam's brother. but uh, And they, they did the skate videos that were in, and a lot of the Jackass kind of stuff. And it just kind of, which they kind of took from big brother uh videos that were put out skate videos that were um went hand in hand with uh or not i shouldn't say they went hand in hand but they were put out by um larry flint (laughs) yeah if i if i have that right i might i might have that wrong because i remember there was uh to to go off that there was an issue one year and this could be this could have been made up but i still love the story that um, Big Brother magazine, Skate magazine, that they made some videos, whatever. But um, orders got mixed up, so like a bunch of thirteen-year-olds were getting Hustler magazine, while <laughs> everyone who ordered Hustler was getting uh, Big Brother magazine. So I'll, I don't want anyone to correct me if that's incorrect. I, I prefer to believe that that's true. But <laughs> uh, Mr. Bungle, California. September 13, 1999. You were just talking about that record with me. Mr. Bungle? Yeah. Was I? Yeah. I did. I, that was, I ordered that from Columbia House, and I did you? had never it's... heard anything like it. I don't think I got through wow. three or four you tracks. You won't hear anything like it after, either. Yeah. I mean, 
it, there's everything. Everything is is on that album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> D'Angelo Voodoo, mm-hmm. uh, January twenty fifth, two thousand. Black Alicious Nia, February twenty nine, two thousand. Little leap year. <laughs> Ghostface Killa Supreme Clientele, Feb- mm-hmm. uh, February eight, two thousand. Also on my yeah. contenders list. Yep. Uh, can, can, I, can I pause oh, there? I've never heard yeah. that one. Um, oh. The Ghostface Killer album. It, was this the... I think Method Man was the most famous from Wu-Tang, but did Ghostface Killer... Was this the biggest album from... Uh, the biggest solo album from Wu-Tang during this time period? I saw it on a lot of lists. Uh, so when you say from this time period, are you talking... Our parameters? Yeah. I'm trying to think what might have come out. Yeah, I don't... I'm trying to think when, like, Method Man's, like, Judgment Day came out. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I don't really know. I think it was Pitchfork's number one album. Or maybe it was um, Yeah. Spin Magazine's number one album of the year. Yeah. Um, Old Dirty Bastards... Sophomore album came out probably in this time frame, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seemed like after... It seemed like they were all putting out solo albums around mm-hmm. this time, right? Like, they were just hot. and. Um, but I don't remember Ghostface Killa. I don't remember music videos or... I don't know. It was surprising for me to see this list yeah. on, on lists. Yep. And uh don't remember having heard it. Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of critical praise. It's definitely become the one um that ends up on lists like this yeah for sure but you're right i don't think there were videos i mean maybe apollo kids because that i mean Uh, apollo kids was a single well that is that off because that that's the title of like two albums later right apollo kids i thought that was um what am i thinking i thought it was on supreme clientele I thought that was, and then after that would have been Ghostini. I got us off track there, but no, yeah, no, okay. Apollo Kids is a song lead single off of Supreme Clientele. So what am I thinking of? Well, there was an album called Apollo Kids. Okay, so just being later. this far removed, I guess I assumed that it it was on this on the Apollo Kids al- mm. album, but okay. Uh, Mindless Self-Indulgence, Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy, February 22nd, 2000. What is that? It's, um, boy, it's very... Let's start with the basics. Is it a band? It is a band. Is it Um, heavy? Well, they're more chaotic. Um, (laughs) I like that descriptor. It is. I mean, I think... I think your best bet is just to sample a few songs. Um, there's some electronic in there. Um, but um, I'm trying to think how they... Yeah, I don't know how to explain them. That's um, okay. Say the name of the band again. Mindless Self-Indulgence. Mindless Self-Indulgence. That's beautiful. Yeah. I remember just taking a chance on it to fulfill my 
order needs to to get like so many rec- CDs free, whatever on <laughs> through BMG, and uh, it's it was something else. Um, you know, I recommend it for uh, at least a one time listen, and you can make up your mind from there. But uh, then I have High on Fire, The Art of Self Defense, uh, March seventh, two thousand. Dead Prez, Let's Get Free, February 8, 2000. And then the last one that I have on here is Glassjaw, Everything You Ever Needed, Wanted to Know About Silence, May 9, 2000. Cool. And I bought that CD in at a Hot Topic in Connecticut. And I just went on this, like, CD spree. And I bought it because there was a hype sticker on the CD that said on tour with Deftones. Hmm. So I took a chance on it. It's amazing, the discovery tools we yeah. had back yep. then. Hype stickers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam, did you ever like subscribe to like Maximum Rock and Roll or Kerrang? Or any no. of those kind of magazines? Nope. Um, in the last five years, it would have been a little bit, say last 10 years, I would have had subscriptions to Revolver and okay. decibel but mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I mean I, I i bought i would buy magazines in high school at the kmart at the mall and it was usually like i said metal circus or something i don't remember exactly <laughs> it was just whatever had yeah, corner limp biscuit Cir- on the cover yeah <laughs> i was buying i think, I think that's it metal yeah. circus yeah that sounds right <laughs> but a few things like that yeah yeah so yeah. I was remembering that even like, um, Chris, we had a subscription to Guitar World magazine, yeah. and I remember that was a big discovery tool for us too. I found out about a lot of stuff there first, and then would just buy the CD to know what this sounded like. Yeah, a great. I mean, having the uh, tablature in there too yeah. for some popular, popular songs. Um, that was, that was probably where we started reading Tab. It took a little while for websites to catch up and have that stuff available, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, if I may, I'll pick up on the promise ring from Adam mm-hmm. because uh, that's that's a genre that kind of like Midwest emo rock, indie rock. Yeah, um, that was that was kind of big for us heading out of high school, I think. Yes, um, but there were a few records that were put out around that time. So Jimmy Eat World, Clarity. Yeah. Yeah. With, also my contenders. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a phenomenal album. Um, mm-hmm. And emo, emo ended up meaning different things, but if you go back to the idea of emotional, it was uh, um, emotive even, but uh, gentle, pretty gentle album. And uh, of course, they broke through with Bleed American, and that was that was a a strong kind of just pop rock album, which I also really liked and still like. But Clarity's the one. And then uh, Bright Eyes released Fevers and Mirrors during that time too, out of Omaha, Nebraska. Um, another one I have here is uh, Idle Wild, A Hundred Broken Windows. Yes. Uh, Scottish band, right? Yep. And sort of in between like the 
that the heavy emo side, but also the um, just kind of that straight, a little garage rock kind of feel to it too. Yeah, this was extremely close for me. Mm -hmm. I almost, this one was neck and neck with Built to Spill to like kind of take that spot on my list. Really? Yeah, I love this record and it really holds up. I listened to it um, about a year ago for the first time in a while. Mm. Yeah, it was last summer. And I, I was surprised I remembered everything really? on the record. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't listened to it in 20 years. It's a great record. Yeah. I have some, that, uh, I have some uh, others, but yeah, that's, uh, if we're that, picking up on that theme, that, that's, I think I'll throw it over to you, Matt. And, uh, yeah. See where it okay. Goes. Well, um, I, I kind of listed mine chronologically, but it's a good place to start. Um, Brian Jonestown Massacre, Give It Back, hmm. which was October 7th, 1997. And have either of you seen the documentary Dig? about Brian Jonestown Massacre and Dandy Warhols? No. Nope. Okay. Highly recommend it. It's probably my favorite rock doc. Um, You know, follows them around as they're both sort of like struggling to make it um, in the like late 90s. And there's, in in response to, so Brian Jonestown Massacre and Dandy Warhols were friends. They sort of had like a sort of a band rivalry that, spun out of control in some ways. <laughs> like they wanted to have like a blur oasis thing, but neither of them were nearly popular enough to actually make that happen. Oh, so, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like in response to like Brian Jones on massacre, go out to see there, he had invited to a Dandy Warhol's video music video shoot being done by David LaChapelle for like $400,000 or whatever, you know? And they were just like, minds, minds are blown at that because Brian Jones and Massacre were all DIY and like kind of couldn't hold it together. And so their response was to write and re- record an entire album by themselves in a week. They did. And the documentary shows the process of them making this album, give it back. So, um, this is partially because the album is great, but also partially because it reminds me of Dig, which is, you know, one of my favorite movies. And it's so cool to see the process of them putting this record together so quickly. Just they rented basically a house and got their own equipment, recorded on tape and stuff. Very cool. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Is, is it readily available for streaming? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yep. Uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre, Give It Back. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's like a lot of sixties rock in, in influence and inspiration right. in it. You know, one song literally sounds like, um, a bird song, like, <laughs> uh, feel a whole lot better that <laughs> there's like a song in this record that sounds just like it. One of the songs on the record also is just, um, basically an in joke jab at the Dandy Warhol's. Danny Warhol's had a hit single, Not If You're the Last Junkie on Earth. And so <laughs> this... Savage. Brian Jonestown... Yeah, which, which Brian Jonestown Massacre took to be about them. And so th- they made a song called Not If You Were the Last Dandy on Earth. And it's 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 like a parody of a Dandy Warhol song. And Dandy Warhol's got them kicked off of a CMJ gig they were supposed to play together. And so... Anton Newcomb, the 
BJM guy. He just printed a 12 inch single of this Danny Warhol's diss track and got it on the Danny Warhol's merch table before anyone found out. <laughs> it's a really, uh, yeah, really good, really good prank. The antics. Yeah. So, so I, I do highly recommend Dig. Great movie. Okay. And this record. Um, and another one, uh, a couple more along this line, um, Super Drag, Head Trip in Every Key, which was March 24th, 98. Yeah. yeah. Adam and I really bonded over Super Drag early. Yeah. First record. Man. And, and Super Those Drag. Geysers. Yeah. So much fun. Super Drag almost uh, broke up our, our relationship, Matt, too. <laughs> the story is uh, Matt booked them to uh come to Bowdoin. Yeah, I was and there. You were there, yeah. And yeah. um so Super Drag shows up and we're greeting them and everything and they need a ride somewhere to the practice space maybe. Um, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, I can take you guys right over. And I jump in the van and little did I know Matt was uh standing there just uh shoulders slumped. <laughs> He had done all the work, and I got to drive Super Drag and hang out with him and chat with him for a few minutes. And poor Matt got left in the cold. I'm sorry. I'm still sorry, Matt. I didn't realize. I don't realize how callous I can be sometimes. Just like, just like how I treat Adam sometimes on this podcast. I just (laughs) was I there yet? Where was I? It was. uh, You're probably. You're probably hanging out with me, (laughs) waiting for Chris to get back from us. Yeah. But great guys of all the of all the bands we met doing that stuff, uh, they were probably the nicest. They were right yeah. up there. Absolutely. Yeah. The the guys from OK Go were really great too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really nice. Yeah. yeah. Good picks. Another band actually that we met uh, in college. Um, they remain my favorite live band of all time, uh, and they've just broken up for good. But Jump Little Children released the album oh, magazine oh yeah i i couldn't have thought of that band name on my own <laughs> yeah. that's so funny you say that i can't wow i remember making fun of you a lot for that but i yeah but i had no reason i had no idea what it sounded like i just it was just fun to rag on you for it. yeah maybe it wasn't even you they opened for Guster, which is another album that came out during this time that we oh, listened to a lot in high school. That's why I never checked them out. Lost and Gone okay. Forever. But the first concert I saw in college was Jump Little Children opening for Guster. And uh, it was a great show. And, of course, Guster has continued to rise in popularity. And they've, they're still making music now. But Jump Little Children, uh, electric guitar, but also folk music, like a uh, double bass cello fiddle and um even some kind of massive attack or portis head influenced um almost like dub kind of tracks mixed in so there are a couple of those the uh matt matt bivens did those ones but um really wonderful band out of south carolina magazines the album and uh, very very fun rock, rock album. Adam, you you have to listen now, to that. I I I suppose I, I suppose I do. It's fun. I mean, just yeah, just go with it, you know. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll throw out another one of mine. And this one, I didn't think about, I couldn't believe it till after I'd made my list. And I thought, well, it should have been in contention. And nobody else will think it. it it's, not, it's not the greatest album of this period, but R.E.M. released Up in uh, the winter of 98. First album without their drummer, Bill Berry. Uh, but, but their last really great record and this is one that I took a while to warm up to They're, they have drum machines on some tracks um, but some of their timeless songs on there At My Most Beautiful uh, Lotus is on that one Day Sleeper um, and even the uh, even the tracks that didn't get famous I um, are solid all the way through I, I listen to this one regularly hmm wow yeah and one of the great all-time bands, I mean. Yeah. Well, who who ate the Lotus? Do we ever find out who ate the Lotus? Um, didn't Michael Stipe say, I ate the Lotus? Oh, right. I always thought he was saying, I ain't the Lotus, but that, would, <laughs> that wouldn't be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're talking about one of the biggest bands of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, this was this was your influence on me. Fish, Farmhouse. Yeah. May 16th. I still really love this record. Mhm. Yep. That's it. Yeah. But that was that was that was a, that was a contender for me. That was on the, the early long list. I really enjoy that one. Shout out to uh Tim Bollier. Mm. <laughs> Big fish head. Yeah, it took me a while to get into other fish because mm-hmm. I just like this one. There's something really direct about the songwriting. Yep. Yeah. Um, More mellow. Catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is sort of a I'm just a shifting gears a little bit. I was noticing in some of the albums I was considering there was kind of a resurgence of folk music or you could see the beginnings of folk music coming back into popularity so we talked about bonnie prince billy you know in matt's episode but there were other ones that i that were really close cuts for me buena vista social club soundtrack um cuban jazz and and uh dance hall music it was in college is when i was first exposed to afro-cuban music Matt and I were in the World Music Ensemble together, and uh, and uh, I probably heard this album right around that time. But um, really great uh, Cuban jazz and uh, folk instrumentation. These old these old guys who had been playing for years. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but uh, there's the documentary. Uh, you meet some of these guys. They've been playing. They're like in their seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also the time Moby released Play which was a big album, but, and actually a very good album, I think, but using folk and blues samples. Um, I don't know if they were from the Alan Lomax days, but he built songs around those. Um, Gillian Welch released a record at the, around this time. I think it was Hell Among the Yearlings. And then this was the time when Billy Bragg and Wilco were working on the... Uh, the backlog of Woody Guthrie lyrics, and they released Mermaid Avenue volumes one and two during this time period. And some really great tunes on there. <laughs> Chris, I have to admit that um, I was almost going to 
razz you before we did the first recording session being like i know that you're tr- struggling to find two spots for both of the mermaid <laughs> avenue volumes <laughs> <laughs> i assumed at least one of them would be on your your top 10 but i guess because yeah. you had summer teeth maybe yeah you know I, I, I actually thought that mermaid avenue was maybe bigger for you than summer teeth but maybe it's the brag of it all yeah i'm not a huge billy Bragg fan I definitely prefer the Wilco, the Wilco cuts, but me too. Yeah. Um, Never gotten to brag. No. No, but those are wonderful, wonder, great songs. Adam, you, did you go through all your whole list? Like you went I in did. one fell swoop there. <laughs> I did. I. I I'm sorry. <laughs> you got excited. I thought that's what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> um i've got i've got just a few more that i can toss out i did have uh like adam uh you had mf doom operation doomsday that was a close one for me um i had royal trucks accelerator oh which was hmm. august 21st 98 say more about that one i don't i'm not familiar. was that on drag city mm-hmm. it was but so royal trucks were one of these they were a duo there were a couple at the time, um, Neil Haggerty and Jennifer Harima. And they were, they famously got like a million dollar recording contract in the post Nirvana boom. <laughs> and um, then like turned in some, uh, some real, <laughs> some real wild stuff. Uh, their first, the first album they put out with, wait, who signed them? Grand Royal. No. Oh, was no. that later? Um. Hold on a second. I got to get this right. I think it's Reprise, but um, they were it, they specifically signed a deal that would give them, um, like complete artistic control and freedom. So the first re- the first record they put out was. Uh, Sweet 16. The album cover was looked like a, a bunch of puke and frosting in a, an overflowing toilet. <laughs> like they, they were just doing doing everything to um to really stretch the limits of that artistic freedom. They made their second record with uh David Briggs, who's uh Neil Young's producer. And so that had like a 70s rock feel to it. Um, after those two records failed to sell, um, oh, they were on, they signed to they were on Virgin. That was a label, major label that signed them. So after those two records cost a lot of money and flopped, they recorded Accelerator, which was their homage to '80s music, hmm. um, and it's a really great record, really cool album cover, but Virgin just refused to release it they instead just like bought them out of their contract and said just do whatever you want with this it's not going to come out on our label and so drag city put it out and um it's kind of become probably their most uh widely beloved records it had a pretty big like reissue campaign a few years ago and um yeah i think it's you know it's like they were really underground experimental noise rock. It somehow got swept up in this post Nirvana 
um, gold rush <laughs> and just wound up doing whatever they wanted with it. Like they bought a farm, they, they bought like a farmhouse in Virginia with their contract money and just built their own studio there. And so bands like um, The Makeup came to record an album on their farm and stuff. Hmm. So it's really cool. Like, you know, they just took the money and ran and did whatever they wanted. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. There was a pretty short window there where you could get away with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, okay. Uh, I also had the Flaming Lips soft bulletin. Yeah. I, I was surprised it took us a while else's... to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, wanted to make sure we covered that. Um, Zyrica, my, also, sorry, Zyrica also came out during this time period. Right, which I referenced in the Neurosis section mm-hmm. because it's four discs played simultaneously. Right, which I've never experienced. But no. But um, yeah, I mean, this is probably like my second favorite Flaming Lips album. I think Cloud's Taste Metallic is my favorite, but this one's really. Um, I I used to love it a lot. Haven't listened to it a lot recently. Soft bulletin, you mean? The soft bulletin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what else? We talked about Idlewild. Um, Lilies zero population growth. Lilies were sort of like a dream pop indie rock band, but with zero population growth, they were. This was a part of the. Darla labels bliss out series, which would take band, ask bands to take what they do, but put it in like an ambient, um, context. And so what Lily's did with it was they did an homage to Cosmiche music, uh, kraut rock. And so it's really, really cool. Sort of like Noi, um, Le Dusseldorf style, like seventies German music. Hmm. And it's a really cool record. I come, I've listened to that one a lot. My last one, just to throw out there, Jay-Z, Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, September 29th, 98. I, I originally had that one, and then I just didn't even want to put it yeah. <laughs> on, um, yeah. on this list. I just, I liked him, then I didn't like him, then I liked him again, and now I just have zero interest in Jay-Z. Yeah, so I was like, I left it out, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that close for me, but it was one of those like first ones that I yeah. that I thought of sure. from that era. Sure. Yeah, there were a couple um, good, great maybe good to great um, kind of post Britpop um, albums during this time too. Uh, Travis the Man Who, mm, yeah, and. Bell and Sebastian's Boy with the Arab Strap. Mm, I thought that might make your list. Yep, just a couple of... They're noteworthy. Yep. Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of Travis. Yeah, those guys could write a song for for sure. Um, Nobody said Dave Matthews Band before these crowded streets. Nope. Nope, but it was was one I considered. (laughs) I was not tempted. But if you think about what we were listening to... Yeah. yeah, like Matt. Mm-hmm. At least Matt and I were listening to that, that record a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was under the table and dreaming for me mm-hmm. and Matt. And boy, did everyone make fun of us. 
<laughs> Everyone who then loved and them then two years later. Said, yes. And <laughs> by the time it caught on to everybody else, I hadn't listened to them in a year and a half at that point. I was, mm-hmm. I, uh, it was very short-lived for me. But, yeah, we were into it. We also listened to um, Marcy Playground quite a bit during this yeah. time. Yep. I think I just, that was early, though. I think that was early 97? Was it was it before our Probably. time period? I didn't actually look it up, but I just remem- oh, remembered what yeah. we were listening to, and that was pretty big, too. Um, an album I, th- I don't know and nobody's mentioned yet and is maybe noteworthy is Bjork's Homogenic. Ever listen to that one? Uh, yeah, uh, just recently with Daphne, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, what did Daphne think of it? She really enjoyed it. That kid she enjoys did. everything. She does. She does. I, I, <laughs> She's incredible. Uh, I wonder how I missed that. Was it good? Yeah, it's great. Well, I don't, I don't think Bjork does anything wrong, so. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. That <laughs> was. I did see that on the list. Yeah, yeah that, was where yeah. I lo- that was where I lost interest. <laughs> that was, yeah. It was that album. Everything before that I really enjoyed. Um, did you lose think... interest in Green Day with Nimrod? That I was did. During this yeah. period. Yeah. That was yep. That was where I lost interest too. Dookie was in heavy rotation for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like Insomniac a lot, actually. Mm. I it's uh, no Dookie, but no, it's, right? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Adam, are you a Fugazi head at all? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, and and hits came out ninety eight. Oh, see, there's still stuff that I like. Just got missed. Mm. Just got missed. Huh. Uh, yeah, I know a record I listened to a lot from this era was uh, Everclear. So much for the afterglow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. While, I know. While we're coming clean, I'll just mention Oasis. Be here now was something I listened to on pretty heavy rotation in the day. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Semisonic, Feeling Strangely Fine. I had that too. I bet <laughs> I could go make another list twice as long of stuff that, if I did enough digging, of stuff that I listened to then that I'm over it and I don't listen to, but like look back fondly kind of thing, so... Yeah, I haven't listened to. There's another one like that, like uh, Blur Thirteen mm-hmm. came out during this period. Which, you know, um, I I think I really liked it, but I, yeah. I haven't listened to it since then. And probably. when did uh, the Refreshments put out Fizzy Fuzzy nine, Big and Buzzy? I think that's that 95. was my ninety-five. Okay, yeah, we're gonna have yep. to do a ninety-five show. Because... We will. Ninety-five was a it was a, a really good year. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, did you consider Cat Power Moon Picks? No, I didn't. Um, oh, okay. oh, I, I, you know, I saw, I thought about it. It's not a record I really have really listened to. Um, right. I do like yeah, me some Cat Power, but mm-hmm. um, I did listen to Paul McCartney Flaming Pie. Oh, wow! So good, I, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think m- most solo Paul McCartney is a flaming pile of whatever, but this, this one was actually better than I thought. It was actually, it was, it was pretty good. There's some good songs in there. I think Ringo's drumming on a few as usual. 
always love that. Yeah. <laughs> we could, I mean, we could keep going down this rabbit I know, hole. I oh, know. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. We should probably wrap this. We should, uh, um, yeah. You know, got, get uh, down to the dirty. Yeah. Olivia, Olivia Tremor Control back, Black Foliage. That's another oh. one I'm just going to put out there. That was another one that I like. I don't know that. Okay. Um, and Adam, it must be said, might as well go out on this one. <laughs> Dashboard Confessional, the Swiss Army Romance. So I... March 1st, 2000. Just driving the other day, I, yeah, I thought about that and meant to look up when it came out. I was driving when it, when it popped in my head and I forgot to look. So that, I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. it slipped my mind. But that, that was a, that was in heavy rotation as well. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of, um, emo music on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You don't remember watching the DVD? Oh yeah. I remember. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I'm just <laughs> thinking like, what was the appeal and that was a little well, different. We could I ask think. that about a lot of this yeah. stuff that we, we were listening to then. What was the appeal? Oh. <laughs> oh, teen, teenagers. Teenage. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yep. All right. Has everyone cleared out the junk drawer? Are we ready to yeah. decide on the final 10 yes. for this time period? Yeah. Wow. So, High school lunch table. All right. Cue the music. 10. Um, I gotta take a pee break and I want to request that we all stop save our file and then start a new one for the next sure because the next one will be another lengthy one yep okay yeah okay yeah okay I'm gonna stop here all right all right stopping